All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think we are live here on the Boca Podcast. I am your host, Nathan Holritz. Welcome. It happens to be Friday the 13th. Actually, I just realized that. It just hit me. Uh, I know that um, there are endless superstitions and, and jokes or maybe some combination of the above associated with the date. I'm actually not, obviously not worried about it. I wasn't even thinking about it. Welcome to Friday and uh, Friday with the Boca Podcast. I'm excited actually about this conversation that we're going to get into in just a little bit with my guests. I'll introduce her in just a moment. But for those of you that are listening to the audio version of this, keep in mind that we do live stream all of our Boca Podcast episodes. And uh, if you go to facebook.com slash Boca Podcasts, it's an easy place to join us, hang out, interact with us, ask questions, send us funny emojis if you want to. And of course, if you missed the live stream, you can go back and watch them at facebook.com slash B-O-K-E-H podcast. Make sure that you check that out and do follow us on Instagram at Boca Podcast and you can keep up with the next live stream. We announced those upcoming live streams there on our Instagram channel. One other quick note as well before we get started. As I have promised you all I would do, I I donated a Charity Water before I got started today. And uh, CharityWater.org is just the organization I've chosen to donate my money to. And I have been actually for some time now, for a number of years. But I only bring that up to just encourage you. I've been encouraged by one of our former guests, Sean Lee, to look for opportunities to give back to community or in in this case to a, a larger organization, national or international organization. It's amazing how just a little bit of money can go a long way. So I would encourage you all today to look for those opportunities to give back. All right. Enough of me going on and on here. As I normally say, I want to introduce our guest, a return guest for today, Sarah Andrew with Sarah Michael Sarah Michael Photography. I need. I don't know why I keep fumbling over that, Sarah, <laughs> uh, but thanks for coming back to hang out with us again today. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> well, and so for those of you listening in or watching who didn't join us for the first episode, didn't hear the first episode, Sarah was with us back on episode 512. We'll link to it in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Of course, you can just search it as well on your favorite podcast player. Uh, Sarah, you we, we introduced you. We did our, our list of introductory questions at that point. So for anybody who does not know you, has not gotten to know you, they can go back to that episode. You know, we, we should just start just for the fun of it, though. Tell us a random fact about yourself that most people might not know just like offhand. What comes to mind? Ooh. <laughs> um, I guess I used to have lots of piercings. Uh, as you can probably see, the tattoos don't go away, but I did take out all of my piercings. <laughs> did you really? Okay. Was yeah. that was that just kind of like a, um, like an aesthetic thing that you, you're thinking about? It was a phase. Clients? I had purple okay. hair. I went through it all. Um, okay. <laughs> kind of toned it down as I got older. But uh, yeah, I did look very different when I was younger. <laughs> you know, I've never had, so I have, I just have two tattoos on the inside of my, each of my wrists here, uh, but I've never had any piercings. I don't know if I should. Yeah, like, they're, I, they're very different. The pain is a whole other level. Depends where you get them done too, of course. Sure, sure. Okay. Well, I, I don't, you know, I, as much as I like to try all kinds of different things, I'm not sure if I'm going to ever hit that phase or not. Maybe I'll go crazy. Like when I hit 50, I'm just going to go get a bunch of piercings <laughs> or something. I don't know if I'll ever go back to it. Okay, (laughs) Maybe my nose again, but there's none that I really miss that much. (laughs) Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Well, that that's a I think that's a pretty good random fact for the day. Uh, I I have to share a random fact too. So, uh, did you ever play um, soccer in in high school, junior high? Did you ever? Ah, yeah, not in high school. Probably like elementary school, but I definitely did soccer at one point. Okay, 
I don't, I'm not sure if I shared this on the podcast before. So I, I played soccer starting in fifth grade. And then my, my family, we moved back to Japan and then back here to the States. And I played all the way up actually into college. Um, and now I just get to play occasionally for fun. But one of the things that the Japanese people, uh, the Japanese soccer players around my age kind of obsessed over was the number of times that you could juggle a soccer ball. Have you ever tried juggling a soccer ball? No, I haven't. Do you, can you do that? That's such a cool skill. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if cool is the word. Maybe. Um, it's, it's Super one cool. The, well, it's one of those skills that like you have really no use for it at all at any point. At it's any a good party trick. Life. Well, okay, fair enough. Although I don't think <laughs> soccer balls are normally randomly laying around at parties. But. I feel like we always we always go out in our garage, and that's where our soccer ball would be, and like our dartboards in there. You could just if you were oh, in someone's okay. garage, you might see a soccer ball. Or like combine I can juggle. juggling a soccer ball with throwing a dart at the same. That that might be kind of a cool trick. <laughs> that it would be me, really cool to see. <laughs> well, I started trying the skill, trying to learn the skill when I was in junior high, I guess, so seventh grade or thereabouts. And I was terrible at it. And I mean, to the extent that the kids I was playing soccer with at the, sc- the school team would, would make fun of me. I was just so bad. And they, they were comfortable with it and something they'd been doing for a while. And I could do, you know, like two, th- I might be able to juggle two or three times initially. Now, is this the one where you bounce it on your knees? On your or knees. are you actually juggling? Yeah, on your knees, your head, your feet, uh, basically anything but your hands. And you just got to keep Weird. it off the ground. So I, I worked really, really hard. I put my head down, made this happen. And I got to a place actually where I think the most I ever juggled was somewhere around, um, well, it was well over a thousand times in a row. So it took about 15 minutes to do. Um, But it it was just, it was one of those things that like, I I guess when you're a kid too, when when kids are making fun of you and you're you're feeling really bad about yourself, there's, there's an extra bit of motivation. I already wanted to be good at soccer, but now I had to keep up with my peers. And so that pushed me over the edge and I worked really hard to make it happen. So there's my random fact for the day. (laughs) <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> all right. I would have never guessed. <laughs> and all those listening and watching are like, what in the world did we just join this this conversation for? We have piercings and juggling a soccer ball. <laughs> um, don't worry. We're going to up the ante quite a bit, actually. And just a reminder, again, for anybody listening and or watching, if you missed the introduction of Sarah, Sarah Andrew and Sarah Michael Photography, uh, m- make sure to go back to episode 512. You can learn a little bit more about her business. You can also visit sarahmichaelphotography.com. And of course, we'll link to Sarah's Instagram as well. Sarah Michael Boudoir. We'll put all this in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Sarah, today we're going to talk about IPS, specifically in the context of boudoir photography, since that's what you do. But I'm yeah. thinking, too, that this, this conversation around IPS or in-person sales is going to be relevant, largely relevant to photographers in general, wouldn't you say? Yeah, you could apply it to any type of photography for sure. Okay. Well, and let's just do, just for the sake of conversation, and assuming there may be a few people listening in who aren't really familiar with IPS and the contrast of IPS to other sales approaches or styles, can you just briefly define that for our listeners? Yeah. So IPS uh, stands for in-person sales. So the idea of that is most of us start off with a session fee, um, which covers like uh, the experience, you could say, like the shoot time, if you include a client closet, um, but it doesn't include any digitals or any of your products. That's all sold in person for your in-person sales appointment, um, which I refer to as an image reveal. You could call it a personalized ordering appointment or what have you. 
Um, and then the other option that I find probably a lot of newer photographers will go with too, like I did it for years, um, is just shoot and burn is what I've heard it mostly called, um, where you take the images, you give them their digitals, maybe they could um, buy some extra digitals and make a bit there. Okay. Um, but usually you're leaving a bit of money on the table with that. Like with IPS, you can really sell them some awesome heirloom artwork uh, and it's a really fun approach to photography. Well, and there's opportunity, from what I understand, to make quite a bit more money. We'll come to that here in just a little bit. (laughs) You and I were actually talking before we got started about the fact that that I used to, when when I was shooting weddings, um, we were working with a company that's no longer around, unfortunately, called Pictage. But they were really kind of the the online gallery to be working with at the time. The, The level of service was incredible. And their offerings, the service offerings, were actually quite impressive, especially for that day and age. And so you'd upload images into the gallery and they actually had a whole marketing process where they would market your images for you to the client. So I was very hands-off and myself and my business partner were very hands-off in the process of selling prints after the fact. We charged a premium up front and the thought process was we'll just charge up front and we don't want to deal with the sales process in the back. So we didn't. But what I realized in hindsight now, talking with photographers such as yourself, is that I missed out on a lot of opportunity. And we're going to learn a little bit more, not only about the opportunity you've had, what that's done for your business, but also how you go about that process here in just a second. I actually have to jump back to the comments, though. Gary joined us, um, it looks like from the UK. Gary, thanks for chiming in. Going back to the juggling conversation, he said in the UK, this is known (laughs) as keepy ups. That's really interesting, actually, because so here we would say juggling in Japan. In Japan, it's amazing, actually, that the large percentage of conversation that is actually made up of English. They're pronouncing it in their accent or with their accent. But what they would actually refer to juggling as in Japan was they would say lifting, which is lifting, the word lifting, as in lifting the ball up and down. Um, they would just call it lifting. They would say, how many times can you juggle a ball? And um, so that's what they refer to it. So thanks for the, uh, the trivia for the day. And thanks for hanging out with us, uh, Jerry. And, or, or Gary. Is it Jerry or Gary? Let us know uh, in the comments. And, <laughs> and by the way, anybody who's listening or watching, please feel free to comment, share your thoughts, and ask plenty of questions as well. We do want this to be a group conversation. But we're going to keep the conversation moving. We've, we've given just a brief introduction to this notion of IPS. And, and I have to say... Something that you mentioned in our previous conversation, a previous episode, 512, you talked about how you went from making pennies, essentially, to $2,500, averaging $2,500 in sales per client. That is a massive jump. Uh, it's it, a it's, big jump. It's, it's really <laughs> impressive as well. And, and I just want to use that as kind of a premise or kind of the underlying um, motivation for all of our listeners, if you will, for this conversation, because... There's a lot of apprehension, obviously myself included, as photographers to get into sales and the idea of having to spend the time setting up a sales consultation, going through that whole thing. A lot of photographers say they're not comfortable with in-person sales, Uh, but there is quite a bit of opportunity as a business owner to, to actually increase our revenue quite a bit through this process. So in order to do this, we do have to kind of shift mindset. And I'd love for you to share a little bit about how you shifted your mindset. Where, where did you start? How did you think about it to begin with? And how did you have to shift your mind to get into this process of IPS? Uh, so I did a lot of money mindset work and just um, mindset work for myself, just my own 
acceptance with me. <laughs> um, so one of the main things me, I really love. Let me stop love. you just real quick because I, I have to pick that apart. I have to understand what you mean. So when you say mindset with you, is it your perception of yourself or security in yourself? or what do Yeah, you security in myself, security in um, just every aspect of my life. I really had to become pretty secure. Um, I believe in faking it till you make it too. So I, I love um, affirmations. So mm-hmm. I would say these daily affirmations, which I still have a ton that I do say um, I like to have a shower and just kind of go through them and it makes you feel good and really gets you in a good mindset uh, towards whatever your goals might be. I believe in having a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, which I definitely struggled with in the past. Um, The difference there. So let's say you say I'm not a morning person. Well, that's just a fixed mindset. You're not a morning person. You keep telling yourself you're not a morning person. You're not going to be one. But you could say, I'm going to make an effort to wake up earlier. Maybe set a, a goal. I'm going to make an effort to wake up 15 minutes earlier. Do that and be accountable to that. Then increase it. And guess what? Um, it's going to grow. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, Do a growth mindset for every aspect in your life where you think, oh, I'm, I'm stuck here. Like, I'm saying I can't do this, mm-hmm. but I can. I'm the only thing holding me back. Yeah, there's there's this very. Um, of course, we can we can take that thought process, and some people do. We see it online all the time now. Some people take that to an extreme, and um, kind of live in the clouds, not in reality. But okay. that's not what we're talking about here. What what you're discussing no. <laughs> is is shifting, and I, I, it made me actually think of we were yeah, just talking little about little increments of shift. Like I'm not saying anything super drastic. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I guess what what I mean by ex- going to the extreme or living in the clouds, like head in the clouds versus here in reality, is you know somebody could just as a ridiculous example, somebody could say if if, if I'm gonna I'm gonna say these affirmations that I am a really great basketball player and I'm gonna go play in the NBA, that that's there's there's reality which is what our physical body is capable of or you know how old we are or any number of factors in reality that's that we can't ignore but many of the so-called um shall we say tendencies or a lot of people just kind of put it under the guise of who they are or what Mm -hmm. they like or how they feel and all these things they're all rooted in beliefs and and i we were talking about tattoos earlier and and i've got a tattoo on the inside of my wrist here um, this is the Japanese word kakushin, belief. And then on the other side, choice, if I can get it in the camera here, uh, sentaku is the Japanese word. But there is this very simplistic mindset that a lot of people have regarding their feelings, which, of course, are rooted in mindset, mentality. And our mentality is developed as a result of beliefs that we establish as human beings. And if we want to change behavior, most of the time, again, with the exception of me trying as a 41-year-old to go play in the NBA, yeah. um, <laughs> most of the time, we can, we can change our behavior and ultimately what we're able to accomplish by shifting our beliefs. And, and in this case, for example, yes. and it, I, I don't mean to ramble on, so I want to get your take on this, but for example, if, if I say, I'm, I'm just not a good salesperson, that's a belief that I am stating and like you said earlier, if, if, I, if I say I'm not a salesperson... That's a fixed or, mindset right there. And yeah. that's not going to bring you anywhere. <laughs> exactly. You're not going to get better if you don't believe in yourself. <laughs> so I, I, I think that, that it's good to set kind of the premise of this conversation, that the reality, which is that, yeah, we may be uncomfortable with the notion of sales or selling to somebody in person, 
But we, if we're willing to change our belief system, which will then change our mentality, which will then change our feelings, there's opportunity to grow. And you've, you are a perfect demonstration of that. So I, I love there's that you so made that There's so much shift. opportunity to grow at any age in your life. You can always work on yourself and your beliefs and just work on that fixed mindset. There's always going to be things that hold you back that you can mm. improve and grow on. Yeah. Well, let's, so let's, let's actually explore this idea then of, I mean, you talked about the significance of mindset shift and you made, I mean, we can, we can talk about the different ways to get there, but at the end of the day, you chose to shift your belief that you could be an in-person salesperson. Um, yeah. And, and that I was worth the amount of money I was charging. That was a huge mm-hmm. one. Like I started off my business, my slogan or my motto was quality photos at an affordable price. And I started because I thought photos were too expensive. And I was charging like $25 because I was like, that's a reasonable amount. And here I am now. (laughs) That's a huge mindset shift. Um, And of course, now I have more knowledge on what goes on behind the scenes. And I kind of just, when I start something, I dive right in. So (laughs) you'll learn as you go. Uh, So when I first started, obviously, I didn't know exactly what I was doing. But it's cool to see that I, uh, I'm setting up a bit of my studio right now and found some of my old business cards. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> thinking back to where you were and where you've come. Yeah. But you shifted your mindset, your belief system, which shifted your mindset that not only enabled you to charge more, but also become the salesperson that has helped you average $2,500 per client. Okay. So that's pretty compelling reason for me to listen in now to what you have to offer, which is <laughs> your process. And that's really what I want to bring to our listeners today. What is your process in IPS. And I think that the big value here, aside from, again, the, the significance of mindset and sharing that is for somebody, who, especially who has never really experienced with IPS before or experimented rather with IPS before, that they would get your perspective on the process, how you go about each of those steps. I know you shared with me before we started, you've got roughly 20 steps here to share. So we're going to just get <laughs> moving, jump in. I may have a few follow-up questions as we go along, but I'd love to just kind of shift the mic and camera to you and let you take this away. Yeah, yeah. So I'll start off with the basic one is, of course, every new client comes from an inquiry. <laughs> I feel like we all know that one. Uh, my ways of getting inquiries, I do have my organic ones that just come in. Um, I'm honestly not sure where, maybe a Google search, maybe they just searched up photographer, Um, but there's no connection with anyone, which is really cool when you get those. Um, And then I do have client referrals. Of course, when you have really good customer experience, you're going to, you're going to talk about that business and that's, that's wonderful. And you get really awesome clients if they come as a client referral, I find. Um, My other big one that actually I put most of my marketing budget into is my VIP group. Uh, So I have, it's just a woman's only community. Uh, We make it very uh, positive, uplifting, empowering. Uh, We post funny content. We do giveaways. If I have any model calls or flash sales, like they're going to be released to those ladies um, and booked up through there. I don't normally release them on my regular accounts. Um, And just having that place where we can all stay connected all the time, especially in the down seasons, uh, is nice so that I'll always kind of be in the back of their mind. Uh, and also if they're talking that maybe a friend brings up, you know what, like I want to get some some photos done. Oh, have you joined this group? And um, I do ask sometimes when I get on the phone with people like how they heard of me. And most people do say my group or a friend referred me, joined your group, saw your photos. Here I am. 
<laughs> um, so that's uh, where the majority of my people come from. Okay. And then I do run Facebook ads as well, but they it's the, the lead generator that will stream them uh, to my VIP group. Uh, I'll okay. also get their contact info and send them a little inquiry form. Uh, my way about that is I do a little personal message at the start um, and like thank them for reaching out tell them, of course, I'm proud of them. This is a big step in their self-love journey. Um, if they've told me any details about themselves, I'm going to make sure that they feel heard um, and reply to those. And then I'll send them, hey, like I'd love to talk to you more. Uh, the first step is booking a phone consult with me. This is where we're going to talk about location, where we're going to talk about pricing, our client wardrobe, and more. Um, and then I send a little link. I use HoneyBook. So everything I do for my workflow is all in HoneyBook. Uh, so that's pretty easy. Uh, and then underneath that, if they are just a lead that was generated from Facebook um, or someone that I noticed isn't in my VIP group, I'll just put, hey, I would love you to also join our VIP community, which has empowering content behind the scenes before and afters, like and like a few other things. And they say, here's the link for that. Um, and probably I'd say like 80% of the people that get that inquiry message do click the link, book their phone consult, and then we're chatting pretty soon. Wow. Okay. So, and that's just, are we still on step number one? Cause I'm like, man, there's a lot yeah, going we're on. We're on here. inquiry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So inquiry to phone consult. <laughs> I, no, and by the way, to be clear, I, I love the amount of detail, but let's also keep the conversation going. So we've got, um, inquiry, the inquiry is the first step. And you talked about kind of the, the different sources of potential business. Yes. HoneyBook for the sake of helping you kind of supporting your workflow, automating some of that workflow. That's really great. All right. Take us to step two. Perfect. So they book their phone consults. Uh, for me with HoneyBook, you can set up how you want to notify them that they have a phone consult coming up. So when they book it, I get a notice, they get a notice. Um, then I think I have it set for 24 hours before. They'll get another email reminder saying, hey, you have one of these coming up. Uh, if you want to reschedule or cancel, like there is a button there, which is nice. I do appreciate when people, you know, things come up all good. Uh, a lot of my clients do reschedule with some notice, which is always appreciated because, of course, I'm blocking off this time for my day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, of course, you will get the thing is with phone consoles, you do get a few last minute cancellations. Um, so I always recommend people like keep about your day. If you like I have my kids home with me a lot of the time. And if we're at the park, I'll still have a phone console. It's okay. We'll just plan for it. <laughs> and if they cancel, then I can't be mad. I'm still out doing my regular stuff. Uh, you kind of got to go with the flow with those. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, once we do get them on the phone, um, I send them. So yeah, 24 hours. And then there's even a three-hour one. And then I text them before I call. <laughs> I, I don't uh, I don't want to just cold call and then be like, oh, my gosh, I completely forgot. Some yeah. people don't check their email or, oh, I'm in the middle of something. Oh, I'm on, on the toilet. Like whatever it might be. I'm going to give you a little heads up. Like your call is at noon. Is it still a good time to call? And they might say, no, actually, like, could you wait five minutes or do you mind if I call tomorrow? Like, it's nice to just touch base before you actually call. And that's good. And that proactive management of expectations. I, and yeah, it's, it's funny how people look at both communication and management of their calendar this day and age too. I'm, I'm honestly surprised by it. I'm a little bit on the other end of the extreme or very much actually on the other end of the extreme. Like my calendar is, is a Bible to me. Like if it's there, I'm there. And if I'm two I minutes like late, calendar. I feel bad. Like that's just, that's just <laughs> yes. how I, I function. So it's kind of weird that, that we have to do as much follow-up as, as we do sometimes with clients. But 
you're, you're proactive in it. And that's, that's the biggest thing. And I think that's really great. Okay. So the inquiry process, that phone consult, before we get away from the phone consult though, what is, what is the significance of that phone, phone calls? Like what, yeah. What does so to I can break that down too. Uh, so our phone consult, um, I started off with like, Hey, it's Sarah calling, like making sure it's the right person too. Um, and then I kind of just talk to them for a bit. I want to make sure we establish some sort of connection. Uh, so I'll ask them if I know they have kids. Maybe I'll say something about their kids. Um, whatever it is, I want to make sure not to jump right into selling them on booking this experience. I want to get to know them first. Uh, the main part of a phone consult is to have a personable experience with me right off the bat. Um, so I want to make sure I do that. Uh, so then afterwards, I'm like, okay, let's jump right in. Let's go through all the details together. Uh, this is why I like to hop on the phone. Instead of going back and forth through Messenger, we can just dedicate this time to chat out all the details, make sure you don't have any questions. So I walk them through our session fee. So for a lot of clients, uh, they're not going to understand the difference between uh, an IPS photographer and a shoot and burn photographer. You have to tell them the difference. Um, I do one of the first questions I ask actually before we even walk through it is, have you had a boudoir session before? If they say no, I say, okay, have you had any like family photos, couple photos, um, just to kind of gauge where they're at in that photography community. They sometimes will even tell me a name. And I know, like, I mean, our community, at least for the most part, we're all pretty close. So we do chat with each other and I do know most people's pricing structures. So if I know it's someone that is IPS, perfect. You've worked with someone that works the same way as me. I know you're going to get this quicker. If they say a name that I know does shoot and burn. I'm going to take a bit more time going through the details and then repeating back a few just to ensure that they really understand. Um, Cause I start off with a session fee, which um, for me, it includes their hair and makeup. It includes an hour of shoot time. It includes uh, use of our client wardrobe, which is size inclusive from extra small to 4XL. So lots of options there for every shape and size. Um, we also have a pre-shoot consultation where we get on a face-to-face call so we can really see each other, have yeah. another personable um, interaction before their shoot. I want to make sure I ease all their concerns beforehand. I want them to feel super comfortable with me. Um and then it includes their image reveal and their shoot time, if I didn't already say that. So that's my session fee. Um, and that right off the bat, they're paying $400 plus tax and that's required to book. So that fee right there, for a lot of people, even that is quite a bit of money. Um, and then afterwards, after I break down how that's worth it, um, most of the time at that point, they're like, yes, that's okay. Like, I'm okay with paying that. Um, but your session fee doesn't include your prints and products and your digitals. That's all sold separately. So I ease them into that as well. Uh, that's what we get on the phone. If you just email them your price list and they see right off the bat that they might be spending $2,500 in total, that's probably going to sticker shock them. And you yeah. don't want to have that happen. You really want to convey the value of this experience, how it is for the everyday woman. It is a transformative experience. It's something mm. you're going to look back on for years to come. Not to mention our heirloom artwork is something that you can present as a gift or something you can just treasure forever um, and look back and just love the experience and how it made you feel. Um, personally, I'm very nostalgic, so pulling out old photos or an old album, like that's just going to get me right in my feels. Um, so I go through that. I tell them the importance of these products, what I offer, some pricing psychology there, of course. Mm. Um, and then at the end, I say, okay, do you have any questions? 
I probably said, do you have any questions a few times in between there too? (laughs) Um, And then we go right ahead. We book a date on the calendar. I walk them through, hey, your session fee is non-refundable as I am booking your hair and makeup. I'm reserving that day for you. Um, And it's just in case I don't have any no-shows. Like that's that's why that's there, to ensure I don't have any no-shows. And they always say they completely understand. For me, I find it's easiest just to get their card right over the phone. Um, I don't want to chase them around for a payment. So I say, hey, I'm ready for your card number whenever you are. If they're not used to paying for services on the phone, they'll also be like, oh, okay, one minute, let me go find that. Um, maybe wait a few minutes there. I process it directly just right through. I use Square for all my payment processing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they get a copy of their receipt. And then right after, I'll send them an invoice with like the detailed list of what's included in their session fee. They'll get a contract to look over and sign. Make sure you always do contracts. Um, and then we just keep the planning process going, which of course I'm walking you through, but I'll uh, take a breather. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot there, but I, I do, truly, I do appreciate the details. I think it just gives further context to what this process can look like for photographers who are like, oh, I don't know the idea. Like $2,500 a client sounds awesome, but the process of getting there, I don't know I'm comfortable with that. And so I, the detail is helpful in that sense. And it, if I'm, I tend to be a minimalist, right? So I'm going to simplify things, probably oversimplify in some no, cases. No, that's but, perfect. <laughs> but if I'm going back here through these first kind of two primary steps that you've discussed already, we're talking about inquiry. And, and really, that's pretty straightforward. Somebody's going to inquire, hear about your service somehow, and ultimately yeah. inquire. But then the second of these is really probably the most important thing thus far. Uh, or and even if you are doing shoot and burn, switch to IPS. Um, I was mentioning before, I have an associate photographer, and I have her as a shoot and burn photographer. And even those clients, I got them right on the phone, and they are thrilled that I took that time out to just talk with them. And they're, they're happy to book. Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, And especially at such a smaller amount. Like I booked one earlier, it was $200. That's, they're like, okay, I would have paid that anyways. But now that we have this personable experience, like happy to do that. So you're just talking about generally the importance of that phone consultation. That makes sense. The thing that I wrote down here was setting expectations of the process or of the process. Oh, that's very important too. (laughs) Well, that, I think that may, may be, may be the most important element of that, at least from my perspective outside looking in, because if this person isn't used to the process of IPS, then the, the idea that they are paying an initial fee that doesn't really actually come with any product is kind no, of a new, yeah. new concept. Oh, yeah. You really got to clarify one. that. And then the fact that they're going to have the opportunity then to spend more money later to actually get that product, also a new part of the process for them. So setting and managing expectations is huge in order for this to go really well. And so that's the significance of that phone consult. Okay. I keep looking down here because I've got my, my notebook here in front of me. But That is okay. I told you I also have pages upon pages of notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, we've got about a half hour here. So within that time, we need to get through the remaining 18 steps. Is that oh, what Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so, so let's, let's move a little bit more quickly, but let's make sure to hit the really important, what, what you feel are the most important points um, really for setting the stage. And, and I'm thinking about this again, important for the sake of the client, especially one that's new to IPS, but also important important for the photographers listening in who aren't used to doing IPS, what might be different from the regular workflow? So let's keep going. Yeah. So my next step is after they sign that contract is I send them a brochure and that brochure says literally everything I said on the phone and more detail. So when we're talking about client closet, there's going to be a link to that. There's going to be a link to different things. You're going to see my full priceless breakdown. Um, So that detailed brochure, go over it one more time. 
Uh, and then at the bottom, I do prepayment plans, which I recommend everyone look into starting. It is amazing. It's a huge game changer. Um, and it makes it more affordable for, for me. It's the everyday woman. Like, are you going to be able to spend that on the spot? Personally, I probably wouldn't spend that on the spot. Mm. So I know I'm going to want to break that down into payments. Uh, so at the end of their brochure, I talk a bit about our awesome prepayment plans. I offer bonuses for those. Of course, people love free stuff. So those incentives, my pricing structure is set up where I have an a la carte menu and I have a collection menu and I always want them to go towards the collections. Those are bundled together. They're going to save them some money. It's the most popular products, the ones I really want to sell. Um, and then when they set up a prepayment for a collection, they also get bonuses. So I'm always pushing them towards that direction. Of course, if they do want to do an a la carte menu, that is fine. That's basically the retail price. There's no savings there. They can do a prepayment for that, but it's not going to get them anything additional. Okay. Um, Let me jump in really quick if I can. So this, I understood we were talking about a phone call follow-up, but is this actually happening on, while they're still on the phone talking about prepayment No, plans? this is afterwards. So okay. we got off the phone. This is like an email. Um, we'll get back on the phone later for the setting up the prepayment plan, but... Aside from that, we are off the phone right now. So with that initial phone consult, are they, they're not actually going to book while they're on that. That's just an expectations management phone call, basically? They book on the phone. Oh, they, they book do. on the phone okay. and they pay for their session. They have their contract and everything done at the end okay. of that call. So um, you're talking about prepayment for product during that yes. IPS session. Got it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Great. To book with me, that $400 is due right away. Yeah, I might yeah, split right. into two payments, but that's how you reserve the spot. Okay. Cool. I'm, yeah, I'm taking notes here. All right, cool. So that brochure, and we talked about this actually in, in the first episode that we did together, th- that brochure, I, I think it's fascinating. In fact, I, th- I think more photographers should do it. Um, can you remind me, I'm not sure if I asked you in the first episode, what company are you using to print that, that brochure out? Or are you just sending them like a PDF version? Yeah, so I use HoneyBook for all my client management. And through HoneyBook, you can create brochures. So what I do is I use Canva and I make little nice titles. um, And then I, of course, break down the whole thing into different sections. Um, And then I just add in all the text myself, add in some images. um, And it's just right integrated into the client workflow in my client management software. So you can make it right in there. I know Dubsado, you can also make them directly in there, which is nice. It ties it all to each individual person. You can see what brochures you sent them. You can see what they've filled out and it just keeps it all in one area. So I don't, um, I don't do emails through Gmail and then have to keep track of it all. Uh, so they get that. Um, and at the bottom there is, uh, a spot where they click if they want prepayment plan info. So then I have another brochure. So that one, almost everyone clicks that they want it. Hmm. If they don't, I prompt them later to click that they want info on it. So I'll send them a check and email about, um, I do it 10 weeks out just because it is a large sum of money. I want them to have the most amount of time possible to extend those payments. So I'll do a little check-in. I'll say, hey, we're 10 weeks away from your session. Like, I'm so excited to meet you. You must be super excited now. Um, your pre-session consult is going to be coming up soon. You'll be getting another email from me to schedule that. Um, and I'm like, just wanted to remind you, like, we have some awesome bonuses that you'll receive for starting a prepayment plan. So not only are you going to be able to span out these payments over time, um, you're also going to get some bonuses there um and of course it's probably worded a bit better than me saying it off (laughs) off my heart there um but I find that usually gets people like oh I'm already gonna spend that money anyways 
I might as well start now mm. and then I'll send them a link. We'll get on the phone again. We'll decide what they're going towards. Um, of course, I'll use some upselling there to try to get them in the direction that I want to get to my sales average. Um, and then they'll set it right up on the phone with me. We keep a card on file and then I draft it. So for me, I have payments that come in probably every other day from people on different prepayment plans, which is awesome. Um, so I get paid very frequently um, and they, for them, it breaks it up, makes it more manageable. Um, we can do, I think the lowest I've had, we did get someone on about $69 weekly. Um, and then like some people will do higher amounts. Like I have someone on 400 and something every two weeks. Um, but I'll ask them, what's manageable for you? Uh, what's your payday? Like when's a good day to get that withdrawn and we'll plan out what's best for them. And is that payment process managed through HoneyBook or is it through Square? That's through Square. Okay. And you can do, you have multiple options that you can customize each of those payment you, plans for each client? Oh, yeah. Really? Every client okay. has a completely different one. That's why I have some people I know you could set it up. If you prefer a consistent payday, you could give your clients and say, hey, I only set these up on the 15th or I only set these up on the first and the, the end of the month. You can do whatever you'd like. For me, I let them choose their date. I like the variety in my paydays. I like just getting paid every day. That's yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> just get a little notification. Um, but you, can, you can structure it to what you want. Yeah, yeah, and uh, they do. <laughs> you do get notifications for, uh, through Square and stuff, so that's nice to see. That's kind of fun. A uh, little side note, actually, for anybody who might be watching live, we are, I, there's pretty crazy thunder going on outside at the moment, um, so I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that it doesn't knock out power and our video and everything else. If it does, that's what's happening. Um, that's also why the room has gotten so dark around me, too. I mean, it's like oh, no. super sketchy out, so hopefully we're, hopefully we're okay. I think there might be a little bit of a delay between us too, Sarah, but I, I think we're good thus it far. It looks a little so. pixely on my end, but I'm hoping the sound is still there. Sound is still good. Uh, your video is coming through so far. So yeah, again, crossing fingers. Uh, but let's, <laughs> let's keep going. So we've got the inquiry, then that initial phone consultation, and then the follow-up to the phone call with additional information and, of course, the option for the, the prepayment plan. Yeah, so you want to get them on that prepayment. That's a nice option. And then, um, I guess, the whole IPS. So we have their session day. Everything that's included in the session fee is what we do. So start off with hair and makeup, get some tunes going, go through the photo shoot. Uh, the only difference from a regular session is that they will either do a same-day reveal or, for me, where. I do travel back to New Brunswick quite frequently um, and then just book a bunch of sessions then. And then we do Zoom reveals once I get back home. Okay. Uh, so that's another option. So for people, if you don't like the in-person interaction as much, um, that's, that's fine. Schedule it as Zoom calls. Zoom calls are awesome. Uh, it would feel like currently what I'm doing right now, really. <laughs> um, and you just, you can screen share. So for me, whether it's in person or on a Zoom call, they're looking at my Lightroom catalog. We're going through those together. I start off with um, showing them my print products. Uh, so I want them to feel them, hold them, uh, look through, kind of get a feeling of what they're going towards. If they've already prepaid, I'm going to try and show them the upgraded version or the next size up or some add-on um, and just plant those seeds. And then, then we'll start with a slideshow We'll look through all of those images. Of course, that's when all the emotions come out. You can, um, 
it, it can be a time when I've cried, they've cried. Uh, I definitely feel how other people feel. Mm. So if they're going to start crying, I'm always like, don't worry. I'll be there crying with you. <laughs> um, so we go through though, those. Sarah, if, right, so you, you mentioned a same day reveal, but then you also mentioned the possibility that you're going back and then doing a Zoom yeah. reveal. Are those Zoom reveals usually same day or are they a week later or a couple of days later? Or how do you break that up? For me, Zoom reveals I'll typically do the next week. Um, just because I am doing them that's for like when I travel to a different location Uh, but for same day reveals if they do request that then we'll just plan I'll send them out for lunch they'll come back to the studio afterwards uh, and we'll have the same day reveal which is great Uh, they have all the high from the shoot Uh, they're very excited to see their photos at that point and uh, it's you'll have even more emotions if you do same day always recommend that but if you if you don't want to that's too much uh, too much time for you or anything or you want to break it up both ways will work you will have awesome sales averages and there's lots of options for doing your your ordering appointments okay so a couple of questions about that same day reveal in particular because i'm sure i would assume anyway that that most of the time like if you were to in fact i'm curious if you were to compare your sales average with between same day reveals and then the zoom sessions do the same days tend to be a little bit higher with the emotional high still running they will, for me, you can upgrade a little bit easier in person too. Okay. Because you can physically hold the stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'm right beside you. So if I'm tearing up, you're going to see me tearing up right beside you uh, <laughs> versus on a webcam. Uh, so I do find if you can do same day, it's probably going to be a higher sales average. Okay. Um, but Zoom is also a great option um, for me. Like sometimes I'll book three sessions in a day. So I'll get all those sessions done. Then I do the Zoom reveals the next week. So you can okay. you can streamline that too. So a couple of questions about that. The number one, if you're doing a same day reveal, how are you turning around the processing of those images so quickly? Yeah, so I think I might have talked about my editing process before, but I don't do full edits on their image reveal. I do the color corrections. So for me, what we'll do, I am an overshooter. So I call those down. Um, I usually get everyone to 100 or less. My goal is like 60, but that's super hard. Um, and then I just, you know, use my go-to presets. I have a few different ones and then I'll tweak those, adjust the colors, and then I'll just sync them all, make sure all the balance, like the white balance is good. Uh, and that's, that's it. So it doesn't take too long. Um, usually I'll send them out for lunch, which you got an hour. Hour is more than enough time. Really? Okay. That's impressive. And I also like this, and I may have responded similarly during our first episode, but I like the idea of setting the expectation for the client that the initial set of images that they see, whether it's from a portrait session or a wedding or otherwise, they are proof images. So the client doesn't expect, um, and and, uh, funny, I think, I don't even know that clients normally expect perfect images. I think a lot of times photographers project the need for so-called perfect images. And I tell them on the phone that like their image reveal images aren't the fully edited ones. I say yeah. the final images, I focus on your skin smoothing. But like when we're looking at those images, I don't want you to see like a perfect face. I want you to see you and fall in love with how you actually look. Um, especially like for me, I, I get breakouts or sometimes I have little scratches or bruises and like having that all smoothed out right away. It's not going to look like me. <laughs> well, yeah, and I can see I can see your point there, but I think the flip side of the conversation is regardless of, of how you want them to feel, in many cases people are going to be insecure about some element of how they look. Oh, right? it's and true, so, yeah. So if they're going to order a large print from you as part of this process, they want to know that that's going to be retouched. But I guess what I'm getting at is a lot of times photographers stress out over delivering images. I mean, I, I've talked to... 
I still remember this very distinct conversation with a photographer who spent, I think he's saying something like 20 hours per session processing, doing post-production work on a portrait session. They were actually a boudoir <laughs> photographer as well. Um, it, just insane amounts of time. That's and, so much. I couldn't even imagine sitting at a computer screen for 20 hours. <laughs> and, and I understand that's the extreme end of, of the scale, but but my point being, they're, they're, the projection, frankly, that they were making on that client was that they need, in order to make this client happy and to maintain the brand perception, they needed to not just color correct, but retouch every single one of the images that were delivered to that client. And I get that, again, as a final product, if it's going to be a 20 by yeah. 30 print or whatever, but... As a proof image, there just isn't a necessity. And I, I shot Not weddings. at all. And it's so much extra work. Like I told you, I, I sometimes do 100 images. Are they going to choose 100? No way. That's going to be, I'm, that's a lot of money. <laughs> a lot of time, which um, is a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I'm just glad that you kind of set that premise. But so the same day reveal, it's enabled by very quick post-production process. And then the other yes. thing that I have a question about has to do with products. Because when it comes to making it easier to sell a lot of products, or when I say a lot, I guess high revenue uh, per client, mm -hmm. um, having high sales. It seems as though having a massive list of products might get in the way don't. of selling easier. So you say don't? Okay. No, keep it as simple as possible. Okay. Um, I offer three different things. And I, I like the three things I offer. My goal is an album. So my first one is a folio box. They are gorgeous. I love my sample um, and they're beautiful, but it's an option for people who want to hang their images on their walls. Now, where I am a boudoir photographer, most people don't want their own butt on their wall. I literally say that on the phone <laughs> and then they'll be like, right, I don't. I have kids or, you know, yeah. I have family that comes over like that's yeah. I don't want to have that on my wall. Mm. Um, so I'm going to say the album's probably your best bet. And like you just kind of lead them in direction of where you're going. So if you're a family photographer, maybe folio boxes are going to be the one you want to sell. So you'd say, do you want to put your album away? Like, do you want that away for everyone to see? No, you're going to want to display them. So this folio box is perfect because you'll be able to hang them on your wall. Talk about the product that you want to sell the most and have your other one just as an, another option, but not the best option. Um, and then I have my add-on is wall art. So I'm obsessed with metal prints. They are gorgeous. Um, and I have them float mount and ready to hang. So at the end, I tell them about the folio box and the albums. And I say, and everyone always gets a metal print of their favorite image. Mm. Or maybe you have a couple and you want to do a collage on your wall. And usually I talk about private areas of their home. So like in their bedroom, that's a common spot. In a walk-in closet. Um, if you have an ensuite bathroom. Those are the three spots I usually recommend. Or if your partner has like their own like man cave or whatever it might be, uh, having that in there for them. Mm -hmm. uh, I usually sleep at a more personal place, not in your living room. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I upsell those quite a bit. Uh, but I only offer the three products. And then the digital collection is also technically a product. Um, it does come on a USB and a keepsake box, but I don't highlight it very much where my goal is to sell you the heirloom artwork. Um, and then my collections do bundle. You will get your digitals with that. But off the a la carte menu, my goal is always that you go home with something physical. That makes sense. So that session, that reveal session, how long does that process usually take? Is it an hour or so? Depends on the person. Okay. Um, I've had one that went almost two hours. Mm. 
Um, it depends on how decisive they are and how chatty they are. Uh, you'll, you'll get to know your client by the end. You've had so many contacts, uh, like points of communication between there that you're going to probably get a good feel of how long it's going to take. I've had one that took like 20 minutes because she prepaid. She knew exactly what she wanted. We went through, uh, as we're eliminating photos, we do yes, no, maybe. So we went through, she was very set on what she wanted. She had prepaid, she budgeted yeah. it out for a, an extended period of time. She knew she wasn't going to upgrade too. And so I was like, okay, we'll get through. Yes, no, maybe. We found her photos. She was thrilled. We chose her swatch for her album and that was it. I ordered it. Um, the delivery process for me is also personable. Um, so there was that afterwards, but uh, well, let's that actually was get a to really that. quick You're- image reveal. Yeah, with, with this little bit of time that we have left, talk a little <laughs> bit about that delivery process. Would you say, do you have a name for that delivery? Like, do they, do you set up another meeting with them where they, you deliver in person or do you take it to their house? What does that look like? Yeah, so for me, if they are local, um, so for when I go back home, I have an assistant there who gets their goodie bag ready. I send out a little questionnaire and I say, oh, like, do you like self-care goodies? Or would you prefer like a bottle of wine? Or are you like a chocolate person or coffee? I figure out what they like. Uh, we put together a goodie bag of some awesome stuff. And then we put their products in there, wrap it up all nice. And then uh, Julia will just go drop that off to them. Uh, I usually say, hey, your products arrived. I'm so excited for you to see it. Um, my assistant Julia is going to drop it off to you. I'm going to give her your number and she will reach out to arrange a time. She has one day off a week aside from her regular job. So it's always the same day, but okay. I let them work it out. <laughs> um, and then for me, if they're in town, most of my clients do where I'm near Toronto. Most of my clients come from out of town. So um, I'll give them the option to either come to the studio to pick it up. Uh, if they are local, I'll drop it off. No problem at all. Um, or they have the option to drop ship, which, of course, I cover all good. It'll just be shipped directly to them. And usually I'll Amazon something there instead of it won't be as personable. But I let them know they have the option to make a personable experience. We'll go out for coffee and give them their products so they can choose. And that delivery process, would you say, as much as this is the personal experience that you're, that you're describing, handing that delivery off to your assistant, do you feel like that has ever caused any kind of a disconnect in the process? No? Okay. Not at all. No, she's, she's my best friend. So, <laughs> so she continues. Um, she yeah, continues she, she loves my brand and my business so much. Um, cool. I couldn't imagine anyone else to work with. Uh, so I'm very lucky to have her. Um, and the whole process is still done through me so like we choose out like even if I send her shopping she's like sending me pictures of everything together and like I still make sure that I'm selecting it um so it's it's, I don't think anything's lost with her delivering it that's great that's wonderful when you when you have a team that you're on the same page with and yeah it's it's very important (laughs) yeah it really is I, I have I want to actually go back and, and just for everybody listening in to kind of sum up some the, really the main steps. We talked about 20, but I think, I've, again, I've, I've kind of simplified it. So the, the inquiry, of course, is the, the natural first step. But then that phone consult where we're setting expectations is huge. Number three, we're, we have that follow-up phone call. And, of course, the, the brochure is delivered with the information that had been shared during that phone consult. The prepayment plan is encouraged and even set up at that point. Uh, the the four, bonuses. The bonuses <laughs> to go along with that. Yeah, I, know. I feel like we could like have a whole second or third episode, I guess it would be, to break into this stuff in more detail. But uh, the fourth step, obviously the session, which I'm going to come back to in just a second. Number five, the same day reveal. And then six is the delivery process. But 
I do want to go back to the, to the session itself. And I'm curious, are you photographing, you know what you're getting ready to do in selling this product. Are you photographing with that in mind or are you just simply photographing what's in front of you? I'm just wondering if there's a strategy to the, the actual yeah, photography. Uh, so when I idea. actually... When I actually try to sell them on the prepayment plan, I let them know, if you don't tell me what you're going to get, I'm not going to know what I'm shooting for. Um, and I find that also will encourage them to let me know what they want. Because um, if they're getting it in an album, I might shoot a little bit different versus if I know they're getting it in a folio box. For my folio box, they are squares. So it's going to be a completely different crop. I'm not going to be recommending the same images as I would for how they're going to be laid out in an album. So for me, if it's a client who hasn't prepaid, hasn't told me what they wanted, I'm going to shoot a variety of different shots as we're going through the image reveal. First, before we start looking at the photos, I show them my products. So usually by then, this is the day they're buying their stuff. They're going to have a really good idea of what they want at that point. Um, but I'll let them know what photos are going to be best for what. Um, mm-hmm. If they already know they're getting an album, I'm going to shoot directly for that. Um, I lay mine out pretty similar for the most part. So I'll even tell them these ones, these three pair really well together. I know you love them. Let's keep this, these three. This one over here, I know it was a maybe for you. It won't look as good, but to eliminate that one um, to help them along with the process. Um, but yeah, for shooting, I guess it depends if they've prepaid. I do shoot with the intention of mine. If they haven't, I probably take extras just to make sure we have the option for both. That's nice, though. Uh, it, shooting with intention. Really, most of what we do as business owners, hopefully there's some kind of intention in mind. But it seems like it would be particularly important for this process because the the session itself is only part of the whole production right now you go yeah. to that IPS session you've got to you've got to know you've got to have the material then to be able to sell for those products that you're selling so that's really great and the metal print add-on I have one pose that I do every time and it always seems to be the one that they really? choose for their metal so I make sure to always get that pose okay. <laughs> you, you you really are a huge fan of these metal prints because I think you mentioned it in the first oh, episode I too. love them I <laughs> If everyone could just buy metal prints, I would be the happiest lady. <laughs> what, what do you think it is about metal prints? Because I, it seems like with a lot of photographers, metal prints are kind of like a, a like a fringe offering or like a, a you know an extra. Yeah, thing. some people don't like them. I just think they're so cool. Um, I like that they come float mounted, ready to hang. Mm. Uh, so it's great for your wall. They're sleek. They're stylish. Um, the way that the skin tones are captured in them. Uh, they're very smooth. Uh, the colors pop. They're a bit more vibrant. Uh, I just I just fell in love with them. I realized actually why I fell in love with them not long ago as I was unpacking some random stuff. Um, I had bought um, a piece of art that was a metal print without even realizing it. Uh, okay. um, it was a photograph that someone had taken, put it in an art show. And of course, that's what I was drawn to. Mm. And I bought it. And here it is. I'm looking at it now, and it looks like it's a float mount metal print. I'm like, wow. (laughs) So I've always loved them. (laughs) Well, and so really my last question for you here as we're finishing up has to do with product itself. So you talked about the metal Mm -hmm. prints. You talked about the folio box and then the albums. Do you mind mentioning the companies that you're using for those three products? Yeah. So I use WHCC. Um, I praised around with a few other ones and looked at the quality of a few other ones. Um, and I settled with them after getting my sample, um, for not only the fast shipping speed, which I found wasn't there with a few of the competitors, um, but they sent me a personal card. Like they literally Mm -hmm. signed it. There was six signatures in it that were not, you know, the standard printed signatures where you can tell that it's a mass produced (laughs) one. No, they had this card. It was a mass produced card, but there were six signatures, real signatures. (laughs) And I was like, that's 
that's sweet. Like, I'm happy. And they were just welcoming me onto the team, like happy to have you selling our products. Um, let us know if there's anything we can do for you. They have incredible customer service. They make gorgeous products. Um, I would always recommend them. I probably will never change. <laughs> That's brilliant. We're actually in the process right now of, of uh, building a whole new brand. And one of the things Ooh. that we're doing is, is integrating with a White House Custom Color. So yeah, I have a lot of respect for what they've what they've oh, done good. over the years as well. And, um, <laughs> They're my favorite. <laughs> we'll make sure to link to them in the show notes for everybody listening in. The storm is actually getting worse outside, so I think we're, this is a good time to maybe go ahead and kind of yep. shut things down before we get cut off. Go find some candles. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Uh, I, I really, really appreciate you making time to, to do this with us Oh, today. happy to be back. And um, for everybody listening in, what we're going to do, of course, is link to Sarah's website and Instagram account in the show notes. In fact, I'll just pop over there really quickly if we can get this to work. Uh-oh. Did it freeze on Yeah, us? and as a thank you from last time, I received so many messages. And that was just, they're so sweet. <laughs> you guys are awesome. Well, that's cool. So yeah, y'all don't hesitate to reach out um, to Sarah. And what we'll do too is make sure to link to those in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. You can reach out. Thanks again, Sarah, for making time for all of us today. Of course. All right. Have a good day. I hope the thunder isn't too bad. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. We'll talk to everybody soon. Bye.